Thank you for listening to the Gateway to the Rockies podcast from Visit Aurora from the Raptors of the Stanley Marketplace. This is the show dedicated to telling the stories of Aurora, Colorado. Hi there, I'm Dave, the Senior Marketing Manager for Visit Aurora. Aaron Vega is the Curator and Facilities Coordinator for the People's Building. He's also an owner and producer for the Colfax Canvas Mural Festival. He's also a union actor and director. Aaron, you have an incredible head of hair considering how many hats you wear. Thank you very much. I'd like to cover it as much as possible with as many hats. I mean, if I had that hair in line, I, I don't think I'd ever cover it up. <laughs> uh, what was that spark that fueled your love for the arts at an early age? You know, I grew up in rural Ohio. I spent about 10 years in New York City doing doing theater professionally. But growing up, a small little farm town called Mansfield, Ohio. And we just happened to have, this is in the, the late 80s, early 90s. And we just happened to have some pretty incredible arts um uh, mentors. So we had an Ohio State University campus there in our tiny little farm town. And that theater director was all over town. And he helped start a community theater, which is, you know, where the actors aren't paid, but you get to you get to be in a show with you know, your postman or your or your local judge or, you know, and it's, play. yeah, and you all do a play together or a musical together. And uh, being sort of a precocious kid, and we didn't have a lot of TV time, and we didn't have a lot of money. My mom sort of shoved me over to the local theater because she loved it as a kid. She used okay. to play in the orchestra in high school. Um, she played the trombone. And so she just had these memories of these fun musicals where everybody got together. So she sort of pushed me into it because I was a shy kid, which is a little shocking to yeah. think of now. And it really got me out of my shell. I was able to make friends. You know, other quote-unquote weird kids. You know, we all found each other and created our own little tribe. And so that community aspect of theater really got me going. I was about 11 years old, and then I just kept doing it. I wasn't a sports kid. I like sports a yeah. lot. I just, you know, I'm if, if anybody's ever seen a picture of me, I'm not the most giant of humans. <laughs> I'm a pretty slight guy. So football wasn't really in my future. But theater gave me a physical outlet, a mental outlet, a creative outlet. Um, and then I just kept rolling. I was fortunate enough to uh, get into a, a really great state school, so it was cheaper, um, that had a fantastic um, conservatory training program. So meaning you really didn't do much else. There weren't really extracurriculars. You were just in that training from 7.30 till 9, 7.30 in the morning to 10 o'clock at night every day. Um, and that was that was a, a really great experience because that that's trial by fire, right? So then when I moved to New York, it was an easy transition and, and started booking a lot of work all over the country and and doing off Broadway stuff and things like that, um, and just having a having a great time building my community again, being creative. Um, so then when I moved to Colorado, just about five six years ago. Um, an opportunity came up on Colfax Avenue and coming from New York, Colfax Avenue feels the most like right. New York City that yeah. I could find in the Denver metro area. I was like, this is great. Um, I love Colfax. It wasn't until later that I found out, you know, sometimes other people have a different <laughs> reaction to Colfax. Um, but that all that creativity, you can find that independent spirit that I learned from theater, I could apply to to uh, this facility, the People's Building over on Colfax Avenue, and try to give a voice to independent artists that are having a hard time finding affordable space. So that's a long-winded answer. But that idea of creativity and finding an outlet, finding your own community when you feel maybe like you don't quite fit in, that all that all fuels me and and still does even though i'm acting less and less these days but uh it's 
it's it's a fun place to be. When you were performing, what were some of your, your favorite roles or, or what are some of your dream roles even now still? Or what would what would be the, the bucket list role? Oh my God, the bucket list role is still a few years off for me, but one of these days I'll get to play Sweeney Todd. That's, oh yes. That's a dream. I'm, I'm probably 15, 20 years too young for it. But um, I've been really fortunate when I moved to Denver from New York. I moved here because the Denver Center had offered me a, had had offered me a couple of roles, um, and so I've been working pretty consistently at the Denver Center, mainly in their Galleria Theater, which is mm-hmm. their super fun, cute um, cabaret space. And we get to run really funny, quirky shows for six months, eight shows a week. So it's a, a real Broadway style run, which I'm used to. Um, so I get to act every once in a while, but again, the the work on Colfax keeps taking more and more of my time. And and we've seen over the last four years, four and a half years of the People's Building formally programming, um, the need is great. We have so many great artists who are just having trouble finding space. So, you know, as I get older and maybe the acting roles, I'm like, I don't know if I've got the energy for that anymore. Right. right. I can let somebody else do that and really help help another independent artist find their own voice, which is exciting. Notice you're also pretty handy with a guitar. Yeah, I've got a band. Got a- <laughs> Who is the greatest guitarist of all time? Oh, you know, some people would say Eric Clapton. I would say Phil Keggy, who is a sort of unknown. He was a contemporary of Eric Clapton and the Beatles and all those guys. Um, he, he, how do I say this? He found Jesus in the 70s. So he's less known because yeah. he really started going more that route. Boy, oh boy, there's a early Rolling Stones article where Eric Clapton was asked, how does it feel to be the best guitarist in the world? And he said, I don't know, ask Phil Keggy. So, you know, there's, uh, you know, but I would say Jimi Hendrix, Phil Keggy, Eric Clapton, they're they're pretty. I'm going to throw Prince in there. Oh, yeah. Oh, man, I'm an idiot. (laughs) I'm an absolute idiot for forgetting about Prince. Yeah. I brought that up because you're in a three-person Irish folk band, (laughs) Bantham House. How did that come about? It was a pandemic project. It was yeah. super fun. I'd done uh, I'd done a, a show at a little, a beautiful little theater in Golden, Colorado called Miner's Alley. I'd done a show called Once based on the Academy Award-winning film. Um, they turned it into a Broadway play, and now it's playing in regional theaters um, where the actors are the band. It's a yeah. musical, but there is no orchestra. You're all playing your own instruments. And so, uh, you know, a bunch of us from town who, who do that sort of thing, we're actors and musicians, we got together and did this magical little run in this you know maybe maybe 100 seat theater i don't know it's a tiny little space um and from that three of us really connected three of the musicians we just kept playing together after that show ended and we were busking on pearl street in boulder they live in boulder and had a great time and then uh with the pandemic everything went to live stream and people were looking for content so we're like well let's build some sets and we started and then after the after the shutdown ended now we're we're playing all over the stuff especially coming up on saint patty's day um, that week is always, you know, we're playing two gigs a day for that entire week, which is always fun. But yeah, traditional Irish bluegrass, a little bit of Canadian tunes thrown in there. And it's a, it's a fun outlet to, to do something that's not connected to acting. It's not connected to economic development. Right. <laughs> it's just, it's just plain old fun. Between your administration duties at the people's building and, and with the Colfax canvas, 
Um, are, are you able to play as much as you'd like to, or, or do you feel like the administration duties have kind of overridden that? Not to say you don't love that just as much, but I imagine it's difficult to find that balance. Yeah, but I think the music creates that balance, right? Yeah. I'm I'm from farming stock in Ohio. Left to my own devices, and my partner rags on me all the time. Left to my own devices, I would work 24 hours a day. <laughs> I would find a way to not sleep. I would do what it takes. And she often reminds me to, to take a break, do something for yourself. And I think we've learned more about that as a culture throughout the pandemic, mm -hmm. um, which is one, of, if you're trying to find a silver lining <laughs> in the shutdown, it's, oh yeah, you can take time at home. You can be a human that's not connected to work. Um, and so the, the band actually provides me an outlet. We, you know, we don't do it for the money. We're I mean, we get paid, which right, is right. nice, but it's sort of a hobby that pays for itself. And that create that's a that's an outlet that I think provides me with balance for work and performing and everything else. So you've touched on this a little bit. This is one of those sixty thousand foot questions. But you know, coming from a small community and the, and then coming to Aurora, why is it so important for communities like this to have a thriving art scene? I think it's important for any community to have a thriving art scene. Again, you know, moving here from New York City, there's obviously the Broadway community. It's the center of, some would say it's the center of visual arts. It's the center of performing arts. It's the center of, I think, uh, maybe London would have a few words about that. Right. But, um, but you can't deny New York is a powerhouse when it comes to their art scene in lots of ways. Um, fashion, of course. Um, even in my small in the small town I grew up in in Mansfield, Ohio, we had a we had a little symphony. We had we had a couple of community theaters. We had a, a local college that invited the community in. Um, and and in that way, it just depends on what you're looking at. If you're looking at arts as a as an economic engine, right? Then that's a different conversation. That's sort of the New York conversation. How do you create critical mass? How do you drive traffic? Where do the arts fit into a capitalist structure? Which I think is an important conversation and something that I try not to shy away from. Right. Um, art for art's sake is fantastic and wonderful, but let's face it, it's America. <laughs> this is a capitalist society. Yes, it is. And you need to prove ROI, uh, return on investment <laughs> on a lot of things. And so I think having a conversation on sort of a larger scale, but where do the arts fit into a broader economy is very important. and. And um, I remember sitting in a conversation with uh, Target, actually, years ago. And uh, their arts representative from Target was saying, okay, now imagine walking around a Target store and there's no art. There are no artists. There's no graphics. There are no shiny displays. There's no nice lighting. There's no, we forget sometimes or we take uh, for granted an artist's connection and their intrinsic value in our society. They make life worth living in a lot of ways. Interesting. So there's that there's that aspect, which is sort of the Colfax Avenue approach, right? Um, which is just making a space um, accessible for more people. And then there's the there's the community building aspect, right? Of giving, and this is where the Colfax Canvas Mural Festival, which you mentioned, um, which I'm a founder of and one of the owners even though I'm not a visual artist in that way, but it helps create pride on that area of Colfax. Mm -hmm. We put almost 30 gorgeous world-class murals in that neighborhood in three years um, with Visit Aurora's help as our as our title sponsor for all those years. Mm -hmm. They got in early and they've helped us grow. Um, but that idea of creating, creating a sense of place, of creating a sense of pride, of beauty, um, and, and then building community around that. Artists are starting to take notice of our little slice, I call it our little slice of heaven on Colfax, on East Colfax, but 
they're starting to take notice that this is a place that, where they might be able to be seen and heard. And then you build in the natural diversity that's in that area. There's something akin to 160 languages spoken in that right. square mile. Now, all of a sudden, the, all of those different art forms, different viewpoints, art's a great way to share culture. So you're starting to break down walls and barriers through art. So again, those are very highfalutin answers. Right. <laughs> but I think um, the importance of art as an economic tool, of course, needs to be addressed, but also just the importance of art in building community, in opening dialogue in a time when it seems like everybody's just trying to scream louder than the other person. Sometimes a beautiful piece of art, whether it's performing art or visual art, can cut through the noise and maybe get to the heart of the issue and break down some of those communication barriers. How did you initially get involved with the People's Building? That's a fascinating conversation. It fell like manna from heaven. Yeah. It, um, I was doing a show at the Denver Center. Um, I was also directing an opera in a in a <laughs> bar on South Broadway with uh, with five singers. Um, and three puppeteers and a whole set of Bunraku-style puppets, um, which are a Japanese puppet. They almost look like tabletop dolls, and it takes three puppeteers to operate one puppet. Wow. Um, so I was doing this <laughs> doing this uh, existential German <laughs> opera in, in the back of a bar on Broadway while doing a, a fantastic show at the Denver Center. And somebody saw it, um, the former executive director for DAVA, Downtown Aurora Visual Arts, which is just a, a gem in Aurora's crown. Um, they've been around for 30 years. Uh, they provide after school, free after school visual arts training for the kiddos in the neighborhood. I mean, they just, they do the work. When you're talking about real real partners, they're, they're it. They've, they've proven themselves. Um, and their former executive director had met me and we were talking about some of those projects. And she, <laughs> at the time, the People's Building was essentially just a an open building. The city had bought it, they'd gutted it, um, but there wasn't a ton of infrastructure. There wasn't really a mission and vision attached to the space yet. Um, and she said, I think the city needs to talk to you because I had also done high-end events in New York City. Every actor, right? You're either a waiter or you you cater wait right. in between gigs because you know your Broadway show ends and you've got maybe six months before you book another Broadway show. You got to make money, so you you take a job catering parties where you can pick your own schedule right. and get paid pretty well. So I had done a lot of that um, that kind of work in New York. And so I'd had the event experience, I had the producing experience, and I'm just an all-around creative. And, and she saw that, so she connected me with the city, and um, they brought me on as a consultant. And I've been a consultant for uh, for about four years, and they just recently added me on as the project manager for Northwest Aurora. Nice. So I still get to curate the space and build that and cultivate that. Um, but then I get to sort of broaden my scope of service to to include a little more community activism, which I'm which I'm really excited about. People's building on East Colfax is is truly a unique place. Not not only in Aurora, but I'm I'm guessing there aren't many spaces like this in the country. Can you explain a little bit about how the People's Building you know came about and what its purpose is? Yeah, it's a fascinating project, and and you're right. I wish more cities would take advantage of this model, and we're still learning. Um, short story, it's an old furniture store. Um, I've heard it, it's as old as the late 1920s. Wow. Um, it is part of original Aurora. So as you're driving down Colfax and you hit that, that city line, right? Where nobody, act, nobody actually knows they're in Aurora. Right. <laughs> it still feels like an extension of Denver, um, or maybe Denver feels like an extension of Aurora, depending on which way you're driving. <laughs> but it's an old furniture store, part of the, uh, in the, in the oldest neighborhood, one of the oldest neighborhoods in the city. It's the old main street. 
um, big, big old space. They don't build them like that anymore. And the city didn't want to see it demolished. Mm -hmm. And so they took ownership of, of it um, and the parking lot behind, which is important. Um, and they had the idea of an arts venue, another place where they could put arts, you know, and I put arts in quotes there because right. it, it was about a year and a half later where people started to realize maybe we need a more specific mission and vision attached. Uh, and so we've been, since I got brought on board, we wrote the mission and vision, which is essentially access to affordable event and performance space, um, created solid booking practices, um, you know, and, and a chance uh, and started adding infrastructure to give a chance for some of these smaller organizations who don't have a lot of funding yet to build, right? So it's expensive to rent lights for your play. It's expensive to have microphones. It's right. expensive to... So slowly over time, we've been building up a stockpile of, of those kinds of that kind of equipment and ways to run it. And so a, a brand new theater company or dance company or band can go in there and not break the bank. They can just pay a small rental fee. Um, and we essentially operate as a nonprofit that way. And I'm proud to say we're booking well into 2024 now. So our weekends are, we're packed. We're constantly offering these sort of economic um wealth building opportunities really for the arts community because they get to keep a lot more of the money that they raise right there's a small fee but it's it's probably about a quarter of the price of anybody else our size and the beauty is we see use and then in real time we're getting feedback as to what the needs are in other arts communities so we were doing the theater bit and then pretty quickly i kept getting requests for visual artists so we turned our entire front lobby into a gallery we built mobile walls and we bring in a different artist every four to six weeks um now the question is rehearsal space there's there's some performance venues and people can usually find their performance venue but theater especially takes a long time to create um, so where do people rehearse their play where do they rehearse their music so it's an ever-evolving process but the idea that we took an old furniture store in a part of town that people might have been a little nervous about and we get to showcase it as as the sort of fun cool unique neighborhood that it is um, and introduce new people to it. I think that's a really exciting project that that more and more municipalities could get behind. Everybody's got that part of town, right? That they're sort of eyeing and going, well, you know, some people would say, tear it all down and build a condo. Right. And and I and I think there's a, a movement, maybe it's a generational movement, but I think there's a movement toward preservation and how do we use these old buildings and how do we give them new life and maybe uh, uh, satiate a need at the same time. Ours is arts. Um, we're arts focused, visual and performing arts focused. Um, but you could do the same thing. I mean, look at Stanley Marketplace where Visitor right. is, right? You've got an old, I think, ejection seat factory. That's right. Is what I yep. <laughs> You've got an old ejection seat factory that has total new life breathed into it with 50 plus local businesses. And it's really helping to define Northwest Aurora. And the Colfax Corridor is reaping the benefit of having Stanley Marketplace so close because it's changing the narrative. You're not changing. I mean, I'm looking out the windows right now and I see a very diverse group of people walking the halls. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't say it's changing the demographics of the area, but I think it's putting, injecting new pride and new um, purpose and new narrative into a neighborhood that might've been written off. So. When, when it comes to the programming at the People's Building, how involved are you in its curation? Are, are you intimately? Yeah. So, but not only are you providing the spaces and a lot of the resources, I imagine you're also lending your expertise to ensure that these programs are successful. Yeah. Um, and 
and that's the the joke, right? As I become the de facto producer for every show <laughs> in this space. Now, some groups come to us. There's a fantastic uh, comedy group that's been around for about 15 years called Rattlebrain. The uh, Rattlebrain Productions. They used to be at the Avenue Theater. They were at the Clock Tower Cabaret okay. years ago, um, and they decided they didn't want to manage a space anymore, but they still want to keep doing their comedy shows every month. And then they have a very successful Christmas show called Santa's Big Red Sack. They have, which is very funny, and mm-hmm. it's been a big hit across the metro area. They come in and they have their own expertise. I can sort of, (laughs) you know, walk away and breathe a sigh of relief and maybe, I don't know, have a cup of tea or something (laughs) when they're in the space. And then there are other groups that are just getting started. So that that is the exciting part is the that incubation aspect for these new creatives or these new theater companies or, or visual artists that maybe haven't had a solo show yet. And I get to help them walk through in a very um, kind, sensitive way that doesn't require a lot of money. And now we they've built up a visual arts presence where they can now go out to galleries or they can they can try to get an agent or they can go to coffee shops or breweries and have a substantial um, body of work that that helps them move up in their career. So yeah, unfortunately, well, fortunately, unfortunately, because I like it, but it does take a lot of time. But helping these groups, ushering these groups through, you know, maybe some marketing ideas, because marketing is the bane of everyone's existence in creative arts. It's so hard to get somebody to convince somebody to come see a play when we're not when we're not used as a culture to going to plays. So that's, you know, that's a fun hurdle. And then also the technical aspects. What are some of the other programs coming up this year that you're particularly proud of or excited for at the People's Building? Yeah, we have, like I said, we've got a bunch of new groups. There's a new theater company called 11 Minutes Theater, um, and they've got a fantastic Spanish language bent. They're really trying to build up um, a culture of of mixed English and Spanish language programming, which is great. We've got a fantastic um, company that was founded, actually, his, um, the artistic director's former career was graphic arts, graphic design and interior design. And so he comes to theater with a really interesting perspective, um, and that's called Pop-Up Theater. There's a new youth theater company that does fantastic training. Um, we talk about pipelines a lot in lots of a- in areas, and we tend to forget about the arts and our need for training the next generation right, so that we can, and especially training a diverse group of kiddos mm-hmm. so that we can have that beautiful diversity that we want to see. Um, so there's a group called Apex Performing Arts, um, and they're doing everything from susical with like eight-year-olds to uh, bring it on, which is a cheerleading <laughs> musical based on a movie right. back in the back in the I think '90s, early 2000s, yeah. um, and they do it all with kiddos, and that's that's exciting. And then we're starting to pepper in these fun community events. So we're working on a partnership right now with um, Aurora Sister Cities. Again, we have so we have such incredible diversity baked into Aurora. So working with our Sister Cities uh, organization, it's a nonprofit that has strong ties with the city, and they have these different Sister City committees. Some we have existing Sister Cities that we that we keep afloat, and then we've got um, new new committees for new. Like there's a Japan committee right now. They're hoping to build up to having. A sister city relationship um, with Japan, with a city in Japan. And we're starting to do these fun cultural events, these sort of one day, we tested it last year with an event called A Day in Japan, went really well. 
brought a couple thousand people over the course of the day. They took over our parking lot and had an anime car show. I mean, it was so neat. They had, they had vendors in our lower level. They had cultural presentations and performances in our theater all day. And then a full art gallery exhibit from um, Asian-inspired art. Um, this year, we're working with a group uh, called the Almalama Polynesian Dance Company. Okay. And uh, they're going to be producing a a Polynesian uh, a day, a, a cultural celebration in August. So we're starting to do more and more of these um, cultural events, which help us really connect with our communities in our neighborhood. And that's always exciting. And all these events you can find on our events page at visitaroar.com. We update those weekly. So make sure you uh, check in for that. There are talks of developing a performing arts complex in the heart of Aurora, which would be a welcome addition for sure. What's your definition of the heart of Aurora? Well, yeah. that's a good question. <laughs> that's a good question. I, I would say the Colfax corridor, I'd say maybe around the town center area, potentially. Um, that's probably a question for the Aurora Economic Development Yeah, they'll, they'll figure it out. Council will figure it out. But but would, <laughs> would a performing arts complex within Aurora hinder or amplify the efforts of you and your team at the People's Building? I think it's a, I think, I mean, that's an interesting question. I think it's a mixed bag, right? And it always comes to me, it always comes down to objective. What is the objective of a performing arts complex? And I've heard three different things from people all within the city. So I go, all right, we've got some work to do to sort of maybe <laughs> figure that out. And I know there is a study um, out right now to, to help our elected officials sort of hear what people, people want. Um, those three, so there's sort of the Lone Tree, Parker Arts, Arvada Center, right, where models where you have a nonprofit that runs a facility on behalf of the city, right? Um, more and more, those kinds of institutions are having a little bit of trouble programming. It gets expensive to produce at that level. If you're talking 500 seats or more, your sets are bigger, your design costs are bigger, um, and as more and more as more and more money is coming out of the art sector, the public money is coming out of the art sector to go into other things, it's harder and harder to fund those initiatives, right? So there's that, which is sort of maybe a larger version of the Aurora Fox Art Center over okay. there on Colfax. Yeah. So there's that model, right? Where you could have dance studios and you could have pottery studios and all that sort of stuff. Then there's the model of something like in Fort Collins, they have a touring house, a smaller touring house. So we have the Denver Center in the metro area that mm -hmm. brings in the Broadway tours, right? Fantastic, amazing resource. Right. And that's usually first or second year national tours. So you still have union talent. You've got all, all that sort of stuff. They've got a union staff. Um, IATSE is the stagehands union, um, fully IATSE. Um, but in Fort Collins, they've got a slightly smaller version of that where shows that maybe have been on the road for a little bit longer. I mean, they're never going to see Wicked. Right. <laughs> they're never going to see giant shows that take 14, 20 truck, uh, semi trucks to fit the set. But you could get, you know, maybe a four truck show. Um, and, and that's interesting because it's then you're talking about tourism, right? You're talking about people wanting to go see Broadway talent, right? Because folks audition for those shows in New York. They usually rehearse in New York and then they go out on the road and they go to these different venues. So that would maybe provide Aurora, you know, a, a draw that the Denver Center has first year tours. You know, we're bringing in, I had mentioned once before, but that was a show that toured for quite a few years and yeah. it was a smaller show, right? It takes place in a bar. So they could fit into a 750 seat theater. Um, so that's a second conversation. And then the third is, or do you want something that's maybe more connected to tourism? Because you've got the Gaylord Rockies and all that undeveloped land out there. Do you build a giant concert venue where say, I, 
my my dirty little secret is that I'm a country music fan. I love country music. Most people look at me and they go, you don't look like a country music fan. Um, but, you know, where I always joke, do you want a venue where Brad Paisley can play? Right. right? Because then that's a big tourism draw. You've got the Gaylord Rockies right there. Um, I just heard in a meeting recently that the, the Denver airport is the third busiest airport in the world yep. and on track to be the second busiest airport mm-hmm. in the world. Yep. Do we capitalize that um, as the gateway to the Rockies as people are coming in t- through that airport and the Avent brothers could maybe play Aurora instead of Red Rocks? They'll always play Red Rocks. Right, and that's, that's its own experience. <laughs> but do you know what I'm saying? So there are three separate conversations about about the arts and what the purpose of a performing arts center is. I would argue we already have a state, we have a state-sanctioned arts district, CCI, Colorado Creative Industries sanctioned art district on Colfax Avenue. We've got Red Delicious Press, we've got DAVA, Downtown Aurora Visual Arts, we've got the Fox um, Arts Center, the Aurora Fox Arts Center, we've got the People's Building, we've got Vintage Theater. Could we maybe start to cultivate that corridor? Mm-hmm. Is there, are there, you know, could we put in rehearsal studios? Could we put our pottery programs, our dance programs in the arts district? The state is designated as an arts district. And then maybe that frees up a little real estate for either a touring house or a concert venue, right? Because we've already got, we've made space on our old Main Street. So I think th- these are conversations that are getting hashed out. I think it's important your listeners, if they live in Aurora, you know, they need to make sure that they tell their council member and find that survey, that art survey, and really let people know what their opinion is. Because at the end of the day, it just matters whether we can fill it or not and how, how what a resource it will be for the the larger economy of Aurora. You're also an owner and producer for Colfax Canvas, which has added an incredible visual dynamic to East Colfax. How did that idea initially come about and how'd you get involved? Yeah, I was a big fan of Rhino before the all the big condos came in. You know, this is five years ago. I mean, some things were, it was well under development by the time I showed up to Denver, but about five years ago when I moved here, walking around and having such a great experience, having such a great pedestrian experience, walking from brewery to brewery and mm-hmm people coming into town you're like hey check out this cool artwork um and it seemed like sort of low hanging fruit we over on east colfax we had lots of walls um not a ton of pride um we were trying to get arts district designation but um one of some of the feedback that was coming out uh from the from the previous applications was it just didn't feel like an arts district. There wasn't a big visual arts presence. Um, and because of that, uh, I had just happened upon at Jubilee Roasting Company, one of our local coffee roasters right at Rafa Cow Colfax, um, a cool hang spot if you've never been. They have visual art studios in the back. They've taken half of their warehouse space and turned it into cooperative artist studios. And I had met one of the artists who had had a space there and we started talking, he was a muralist and talking about it. And um, it just popped up as an exercise in, can we do it? (laughs) It was that easy. How naive, looking back. Um, Found a title sponsor in Visit Aurora that was very interested in the idea and interested in this idea of building a, a more visual presence. And, and from my standpoint, not being a visual artist, my whole idea was, can we create a visual footprint for the arts district? And like I said, it's gone gangbusters. Um, 
And then our second and third year, we developed a fantastic um, application and selection process within our, with our idea committee, um, inclusivity, diversity, um, equality committee um, and advisory committee. And they created a really neat way for us to better integrate the diversity in the neighborhood. So our, that, our mural festival now for the last two years has um, really celebrated the fact that we've had over 50% female identifying participation which is rare for mural festivals. It's usually a lot of dudes. <laughs> right. Um, and we've got over 50% BIPOC uh, 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 working with us. And so that that really helps tell the story of the neighborhood. So, yeah, it was just sort of a, let's see if we could do it. And now it's turned into a really fun thing. And we've added a block party element to it, again, helping change the narrative of this neighborhood. I, I know diversity can seem scary sometimes, um, and poverty can sometimes seem scary when you're looking from the outside. But some of the best people I know are are hardworking immigrants who are really doing a beautiful job in that neighborhood. And, and I think celebrating that neighborhood for what it is and not trying to change it is something that Colfax Campus has really succeeded at. You solicit for local artists to be able to, to, to get paid and showcase their work through the Colfax Canvas. You spoke a little bit about the applicants you got, but how do you go about selecting the artists who get featured? Yeah, there's a part of that idea committee was creating a selection process as well. So there's the application process that features a little bit more on heritage than on aesthetic, um, which is I think is important um, to start to remove those, remove those equations. And then the selection committee the last two years, um, and I'm proud to announce this year is made up of a really lovely mix of neighborhood residents, neighborhood business owners, nice. um, some sponsors, right? So you don't just have people with money making decisions. Right. You have people who are going to be looking at this artwork every <laughs> day. Uh, and murals are a little different, right? They're meant to be swapped out a little bit more frequently than, you know, say something hanging in love. But um, but that idea of having a selection committee that then we're we're LLC, we're not required to do any of this. It just felt morally right. It felt like our obligation to the neighborhood. So the selection committee whittles down. They they're delightful folks. It's volunteer and they it's different every year, but they they take all of our applications um, and they get assigned a certain number based on how many applications we've got, and they whittle them down to their top three. And then we have an executive committee, the three owners, who then really, because we help pair the artists with the business owners who are donating their wall space, and so we want to make sure that there's synergy between between the building owners and the artists. So. What catches your eye, I mean, it's reflected in the diversity of the artists, but the diversity in the pieces as well. You can really see... A, a breadth of talent uh, at the Colfax Canvas. The the Colfax Canvas Mural and Music Fest is scheduled for later this year. What can we expect in its fourth year? And what is your vision for the evolution of the festival over time? Yeah, I think uh, just doubling down on celebrating East Colfax, which to folks, again, folks who maybe have been here for a while, they think East Colfax and they shudder a little bit. And I think I think a newer generation doesn't. I think yeah. um, I think millennials and Zoomers are are a little bit more adventurous. I mean, I'm I'm treading on thin ice here because I know there are adventurous boomers and Xers out there too. But I think the aesthetic is different. You can't help but notice that there's a genera generational shift in aesthetic and what they're looking for. Um, we're adding a really fantastic tasting event this year to celebrate sort of the global nature of the food in Aurora. 
which I think is one of the most exciting things Absolutely. about Aurora. If you're a foodie, y you can find some incredible food. It may not be, you know, it may not look slick like McDonald's, but I can guarantee you it's going to taste better Absolutely. than McDonald's. Um, so we're adding a tasting event. We're adding a, a beer tasting event, which is very exciting, partnering with some of our, our local breweries that have been coming up. So we're in development of those uh, of those aspects too. And then um, uh, cultural performances and, and things as part of the block party. The art is is honestly sort of on on autopilot at this point because we've we've built up a reputation of people who mm -hmm. pay artists. Um, we started our second season paying every artist equally. Nice. So if you're selected into the festival, whether this is your second mural, first mural, um, or you're a seasoned pro, you're getting the same amount of money. And um, we've also uh, created a collaboration aspect to it. So almost all of our murals are collaborations. So we're sh we're getting these artists a little bit out of their shell. We're shaking them up a little bit. And they're, they're almost forced in some cases <laughs> to really work. But afterwards, we've never gotten a piece of feedback that said we hated the collaboration. Sometimes we get resistance at the beginning. So you're going to see more collaborations. We're going to be expanding our footprint um, hopefully partnering with some other really great organizations that are already drawing traffic. So it, the art happens over two weeks and that's sort of our legacy, right? That's evergreen content or, or that's artwork that stays there for a long time. It's a benefit to the neighborhood. And then the block party is our chance to really flex our muscles and invite people in and see if we can create an authentic experience for them. Just a couple more questions for you before we wrap up. You've touched on this a little bit, but there, there was a time when Colfax in general uh, was the butt of many jokes in the metro area. East Colfax oh, still is. In particular. Oh, yeah. I was born and raised here, so, you know, yeah. I know all about that. Uh, <laughs> and though no place is perfect and, and the street can still have its personality quirks, uh, there's been a concerted revitalization effort and many renaissance to a degree um, that has also done a good job of, of balancing development while also preserving and amplifying the existing cultural dynamic of his residents. Is that a fair assessment of the area, and how proud are you to be a part of that renaissance? Oh, I'm I'm insanely proud, and and I don't know if if I'm a part of its renaissance as much as um, I really I feel proud that I can be a part I can be a champion for what it already is. Um, I saw this in New York City, right? And and if you go to New York City now, you may not realize it, but every twenty blocks is the same now. I mean, there are pockets here and there. I mean, East Village is still East Village. There's still right. some cool indie venues. But you walk up Broadway, there's hardly any mom and pops left. And and that's a danger, right? I think that's an aspect of gentrification that is really scary to somebody like me who really loves independent businesses, mom and pop businesses, independent art. Um, those tend to be the folks that are pushing the economy or pushing a conversation farther than than any global chain could. Um, and so I get to help champion that voice. Um, you know, we still have a long way to go. I think, Stan again, Stanley Marketplace is a great example of what you can do. It's not cheap. I mean, local businesses tend to be a little bit more expensive in terms of price because they're, they tend to pay their employees a fair wage. They tend to um, have more loyalty with their, with their workforce. They tend to have a better product in a lot of cases. Yes. Um, a more bespoke product. And that costs a little bit more money. I think people are waking up to this to that idea that if you maybe spend a little bit more on the front end, you're going to have a product that lasts you a lot longer and you save money in the long run. Um, I grew up in Ohio, frugality as opposed to stinginess, right? right? Um, and I think 
uh, shopping at mom and pops, giving a platform to mom and pop businesses. That's Colfax. So some of the grit and grime, which I really enjoy, you're never going to get rid of the grit. And I don't think you ever should get rid of the grit. I think we can, we can make strides in making it safer in making more accessible to pedestrian traffic. Um, the rapid transit that's going to be coming through Colfax is going to be a huge uh, boon, I think, for those businesses along there. But making sure that we keep that independent spirit, and that's the Aurora spirit too, right? I think Colfax is, some people will argue me on this, but I think Colfax is that immigrant spirit. It's that feeling of entrepreneurship. It's that exciting gateway to something new. And you're not going to get that through multinational conglomerates. Right. You're going to get that from private industry, independent art. And I, I probably to my dying day will be clutching, <laughs> clutching that mission statement of keep Colfax weird. So uh, any way that I could be a small part of that conversation, I'm proud to be. You you recently announced you're the new Northwest Aurora Project Manager. Yeah. Uh, what will you be doing in this new role? And also, will you continue to be involved with your other endeavors with this? How will this uh, intertwine with that? Yeah, I mean, the goal with any business, right? And I think about the People's Building as as its own business, even though it's owned by the city. How do you get it sustainable, right? How do you pass the baton? So that's something over the next few years, I think I'll be looking toward. How do you staff that building? How do you try to get it revenue neutral, right? So you're you're a good fiduciary steward to the taxpayer. Um, so they're not looking at you going, why are you spending all that right. money on, <laughs> on art? Um so I think that's that will always be part of this job, and it is currently written down as part of my job. So that's nice. But again, I get to expand with this new with this new role as a Northwest as a Northwest project manager for the city of Aurora. I really get to uh, have more of a dialogue with our local business community and our local communities in general. And I use communities plural because again, 160 languages. Mm -hmm. That's that's a that's an amount of diversity that takes a whole lot of organization to yeah. get people to talk to each other, right? Sometimes literally. That's a lot of languages to coordinate. So this idea of how do we keep that independent spirit? How do we promote mom and pop small businesses? How do we make sure that the neighborhood is thriving? How do we sort of protect ourselves if we can or sidestep gentrification meeting, pushing people out who have been here for a long time? We don't want to see our communities displaced. But we want to make sure that the economy is rising at a rate that that is beneficial to everybody. So it's a it's a little bit of a, a you know, a, a scale that we've got to balance. But I think this new role, being able to have a say as somebody who is very dedicated to independent art, I think is the city saw a benefit in my voice there and hired me on. So I get into trouble sometimes for, <laughs> for saying certain things. But, you know, uh, as, as a famous activist once said, make good trouble. So I, I often feel like I'm getting into good trouble. Well, Aaron, we're, we're lucky to have you as an asset to the city and as a spokesperson for the positive development of the city. You can learn more about The People's Building at thepeoplesbuilding.com and on Instagram at The People's Building. Make sure to also discover the Colfax Canvas Mural Festival at colfaxcanvas.com and on Instagram at colfaxcanvas. Aaron, thank you so much for taking the time today. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Hey, thank you for listening to the Gateway to the Rockies podcast. Visit Aurora is the official destination marketing organization for the city of Aurora, Colorado, and acts as the primary liaison between meeting planners and hotel partners. As Aurora's convention and visitors bureau, Visit Aurora's mission is grounded in showcasing Aurora as a premier destination for meetings, business, and leisure travel. Visit Aurora represents more than 75-plus hotel properties with 13,500-plus guest rooms and more than 1 million square feet 
feet of meeting space, including Colorado's largest resort, Gaylord Rockies Resort and Convention Center. As Colorado's third largest city, Aurora is located minutes away from Denver International Airport and showcases mountain views, memorable meeting spaces, and 250-plus international eateries that offer a unique experience for each and every visitor. As the gateway to the Rockies, Visit Aurora's role in the local community goes beyond marketing the city as a destination. The Visit Aurora team is here to assist you with your Colorado visit from facilitating your meeting, event, or convention to helping you discover local flavor and attractions. Go beyond the boardroom in Aurora, Colorado. For more, visit us at visitaurora.com.